I'm not a big deal, but I got big deals. Welcome to episode two of Off and Beat today. Today, I open with a poem with Drake. I talk about WWE wrestling and why it's more important to the casual young man than people would think. I also talk about why the Friends reunion should not happen. But why the show was important. I also get into the Manosphere. And how there may be criticism from the other side. But why it's fairly important. I also talk about the NBA. Um, I make some. I come up with an analogy. A comparison with Trey Young. Um, it may surprise you. Surprise me as I was saying it. Stay tuned for that. Coming next. Preview of I Got a Yacht by me, your boy Clint, and then the show will start. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Except the Jeep, and now they all pee. My life story's what they truly see. Fancy time, champagne bubbling, they leave the husband for the week. Spend time with the person who left in the young 20s because they thought their dreams were not realistic to achieve. Because of where I worked, they left me for a status. Say I was prickier than a cactus. But now they want to chill, have fun, when all I get was glorified because I didn't go party in my 20s. Now the same ones are trying to revive their lifeline. Because now all of a sudden, now my jokes are funny. And I have a lot of fucking money. All of a sudden, you want to take pics under the sun and gain traction on the web. So your followers increase like the temperature because I'm global Then you fall into the business side of pressures Of buying houses and cars for impressions that you're noble Now you're miserable It's the year 2005 The girl Drake is seeing Ask him What do you see in our future 10 years from now Drake writes a letter to her but on the envelope, it says, don't open till 10 years from now. So 10 years later, in 2015, she finally opens the letter. And the poem reads as follows. If you're reading this, it's too late. You will Thank me later. We just have different views of life. There's just so much more life to live. You'll be so far gone by then. I'll always remember what a time it was to be alive when I look back at you. Maybe when you read this, we can have our comeback season. But until then, take care. Welcome to episode two of Often Beat. That is a fictional poem. Maybe it did happen. I don't know. I'll, I don't live in Drake's life, but... I wouldn't put a past Drake that in 2005 he would write a letter to a girl and manifest and predict his future. Um, but yes, in case you didn't get it, um, and each line was a reference to his album because he is the king of he will say something into existence. Which, there's a lot of things you could shit on Drake about, but one thing you can't shit on him for the dude does exactly and lives up to everything he does in his profession. The dude, you know, you can debate whether he's the GOAT rapper of all time. He is certainly the most popular. I don't even know if that's really debatable. And if you want to debate that, um, you can. It's very fair argument. Is he cool? He has those, uh, he just has bars, man. You know, he's, you know, all the stereotypes, the, the emotional and all that good shit. That's fine. But a lot of that shit benefits him in a lot of ways. A lot of people can 
feel his pain, feel him when he's bitching about something, especially back in the day. Now he's more just uh, a flyer out, and then he, you know, flies a girl out who has a boyfriend of eight years, but he never, he proposed, but they were engaged for a while, and then he told the dude to get some wing stops so they could record some shit in the studio, and um, they were recording um, his meat getting gobbled. Um, let's just say he was, uh, taking care of her needs. Put that in your headlines. He is really overdosed on confidence. Um, and well-deserved. But anyways, like I said, welcome to episode two of Off and Beat today. I'm your host, Clint. And we are officially on fucking Spotify, motherfuckers. This shit's crazy. I didn't know it was possible. Done a lot of studying, done a lot of research to figure out this shit, and we are making it happen. You know, um, what this process has taught me of creating this, essentially from scratch, literally, is that we... That there's so much that we don't know. And I have probably learned more in the past three days about something than I have like in the past like five years of anything in my life. And I'm a very curious person about things. Um, I wouldn't say I'm like Joe Rogan curious where I'm that well faster, but I do have a lot of curiosity on a lot of things. And to have, I'm not a tech savvy person and to... Figure out all this technical shit that made this happen, man. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to pat myself on the back. Everyone give me a round of applause. Yes, 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 yes. Ooh, what a hottie. Scotty too hottie, man. I remember the WWE, man. Those When there was Scotty too hottie, Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy, Goldust. Uh, let me see, uh, Triple H, obviously, he's more well-known, but I'm thinking, like, you know, everyone knows the main guys, even if you're, like, a casual fan, you know, the Triple H's, you know, The Rock, when he was The Rock, you know, Edge, um, you know, Shawn Michaels, but, man, it's not, like, the middle ones, ones that you had to be a little bit dedicated, you had to play the video games, you had to go to the Royal Rumbles, you had to go to the Survivor Slams, man, you were committed, and to be honest, man, I'm not going to lie, I thought that shit was real until I got older. And now I think they're more open about it since there's so much more access. It really is fascinating the fact that we just accept that this is fake, but it's it has a realness to it. That there is a element to wrestling, you know, WWE, Raw, and stuff like that, that there really is an element that's fascinating, there really is things about it that, even when you get older, and you think it's a little hacky, you think, oh man, like, this shit's fake as fuck, then you got real fun, like, UFC and shit, like, the idea of creating a fictional world that feels so real, though, I think when you're younger, that really captivates your mind. I think that's why, that's why, like, when I have a son one day, um, I'm gonna, like, at six or seven, you know, start letting him watch WWE if he's still around. Even watch him, have him watch old thing. Because I think, even though it's fake, in a sense, um, obviously, there's real shit, real injuries, real shit, man. I don't care. How fake you're not getting punched in the face. All that slamming and shit. That shit fucking hurts, man. I fell out of bed uh, a couple days ago. I fell out of my bed. My bed's like, look at it. It's probably like, like maybe a foot. Maybe a foot and a couple inches from the ground. Because it's like a double decker. Um, I fell off and I fell on my elbow on carpet. Man, that shit fucking... Ruined my day for an hour and a half. Could you imagine jumping off a ladder, falling on a canvas? That maybe not be concrete, but you know, it certainly ain't a my pillow. And I think the fascination of uh, wrestling like that really does matter. You know, it really, it really is important for a young child. 
to really be able to look at something and maybe they know deep down there's something weird about this. It's not, it can't be that real. But the imagery, the fascination, the creativity, it's like a combination of combining living your dream with accepting reality and meshing it together. Like maybe you can't necessarily reach your dream, but you can definitely create your dream. Maybe they aren't, you know, maybe WWE wrestlers. They were never going to be professional MMA fighters to make money. Maybe they weren't going to be like, you know, great athletes in football type of thing. But goddamn, you know, making a living doing that, I don't see why that's a bad thing. And tell me this, like, you notice how we don't really, you know, we say movies and stuff that have violence and shit, video games have violence and stuff, fighting, they say, that's, you know, we gotta be careful what we let the youth watch, music they listen to. I mean, WWE, I think because it's so realistic, we it's okay for kids to watch, because we know as older parents and older, um, as you get older, you know it's fake. But you don't feel like your kid when he's watching it. He wants to entice that same violence. Because it's so out there. Like like it's almost like if he does something. He's not going to harm someone else. Like if if your kid watches a movie. Where there's guns involved and shit. Right. He may want to have a gun and play shoot. It might accidentally shoot someone one day. Man if you're like jumping off the top of your house. And trying to jump on a beach chair. Like, you know, you're going you're gonna to harm yourself, but man, you're going to feel alive. I think wrestling teaches you to not be scared and be alive. So yeah, man, you know, that that's something I, I was thinking of um, today. I'm, you know, I really do miss that time. I went to Royal Rumble, right? I believe Triple H won that one. I can't remember what year. Maybe someone could look it up. I remember it was in Atlanta. It was at the Phillips Arena they had it at. I think it was Phillips Arena. Um, and yeah, it was just fucking amazing. And I didn't necessarily, and I think you don't like grow out of it wrestling. Like WWE like typically most guys stop watching around like fifteen, like maybe younger thirteen, we'll just say. It's not like sports where once you You may not want to give it up, and it's not natural to give it up, but maybe you accept that it's not worth your while. I think there's just natural, like, you know, you're 13, 14, you get into other things, and you're just not into it as much. But it's almost like having that girlfriend for, like, six years. And you go your separate ways, but it wasn't anything abrupt that happened. You You just grew apart. You know, you just, things just naturally phased. And that was my relationship with wrestling. It wasn't an abrupt ending. You know, I just started like other things. And I don't know what those other things were, but I just, eh. I just graduated from it, you know? But man, the feeling of... If I could ever direct, in a sense, or write like a wrestling uh, match, in a sense, like articulated the storyline, that shit would be fucking amazing. That'd be like living a childhood dream of something I haven't watched in probably like seven or eight years, a single match. Partially because, yeah, I don't think the characters are as captivating today. There's no one that stands out. Um, But, yeah. Um, I think remembering your youth memories is very important. Obviously, you don't want to hold on to it too long. I also think remembering, like, life was simpler when I was into wrestling. When I was into fucking um, any movies my dad had on TV. We used to have a, we literally used to have a, we went from VHS to DVD. We didn't have cable to like, I think high school or some shit. My mom had these 10 seasons of Friends. 
Not gonna lie. I have seen literally every episode maybe five or six times. My mom just played on a loop during the summer. Even if you're not watching it, you're walking through the kitchen, you hear it, you take a glance while you're waiting for your Link Cuisine, your Kid Cuisine, you're waiting for your frozen meal, the heat up, you're waiting for your mom to heat up the lasagna from the night before. So you're just sitting there watching Phoebe, you know. Oh, Joey, oh. And then Rachel, wow, 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 wow. Actually, that sounds more like Owen Wilson, but whatever. And to this day, I still kind of like watching Friends, you know? I think it's a great show to watch. It's literally about nothing of substance, which I think is sometimes the beauty of doing those type of shows. I think it's sometimes people try to have too much substance and shit. People try to make things too meaningful. Not everything you do has to have a purpose or meaning or some deeper underlying. Sure, you could find the... You can find the silver linings, you can find the deep plot hole, or you can find like the deep rooted stuff in there. Sure, you can find it in anything, but the simplicity of the show of six friends, some very successful, some trying to find their way, some gaining success through it, but the power of friendship always gave them the most satisfaction. You know, Joey, he, uh, Joey was a struggling actor and then he has big break days of our lives, but you notice how he would get down when he get fired and stuff from shows or he's getting killed off, but he was always so much more affected when him and Chandler would have issues or him and Ross or, you know, trying to sleep with Rachel who Ross had a baby with and then he's babysitting Emma. That's... Yeah, he, he, he's kind of a habitual line stepper, as I once heard someone say. I don't remember who quoted that, but whatever. Habitual line stepper. You know, Rachel was always so much more affected when when she felt like Monica was choosing Phoebe or someone else that we just meet, like Julie, one of Ross's exes. When she felt like she was choosing other people over her. The biggest thing, and the thing about the finale, obviously, when uh, Chandler and Monica, when they go and uh, get their own place, when they start having babies, they move to the suburbs and stuff, like, that's a hard show to watch, because as you get older, you start, you know, you start connecting with that more. You start connecting with, you start understanding the pain of... You know, one day me and my close friends, or you and your close friends, like, we're going to have to have that moment where life moves on. We we move, we meet people, we get married, and we have kids. There's inevitable realities to all that. And they're hard decisions to make, but the biggest thing is we all have to make them. And the power of friendship, you know, what that looks like. For everyone can be different. And typically it will always change over time. Man. And just like the idea of. I'm not going to lie. That shit's kind of scary. You know. Um, but yeah man. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm not a big fan of the Friends reunion. I'm really not. I think it's unnecessary. Um, I've seen a few clips. It doesn't even seem like they're trying to recreate any like. New stories. Like, it's not like they're trying to have an updated version of their lives. I don't think so. I think they're literally trying to recreate the same episodes. Like, the board game episodes when they play that game where it's a guy's versus... Where it's a Joey and... Where it's Joey and Chandler versus um, Rachel and Monica. When you're just like, if we win, you have to get rid of the ducks. And Monica said, but if you win, you get our apartment. And then the whole, and then the whole, like, you know, fake on it's like, ooh. And they agreed to it. And, of course, the boys win the apartment. Eventually, the girls get it back by just switching out the furniture one day while they go out to the Knicks game and shit. But the fact that 
they're trying to like recreate the same thing. It's like if they were gonna do the reunion, they probably should have done like five years ago. You know, I'm not even gonna get. I'm not gonna take personal shots at people's physical appearance, how old, you know, people age, lives change, people struggle with things. I'm, I'm really not into shitting on people for their issues and stuff. But you can just see like it's just not even the same um, natural chemistry of friends. And the great thing about friends, they're all young, they're mid twenties, early thirties throughout the whole show, and. You literally see people grow from being young adults, adapting to the world, trying to find their way. And that at the end of it, the reality is a couple people have found stableness. I found stable. Stableness. I don't know if that's a word, but they have found stability. That's probably more the word. They have found stability. And then others have found a little bit more comfort. And who they are and themselves are not so reliant on other of their friends to kind of find more meaning in their life. And then, you know, one or two, they still kind of struggling with this. I wouldn't say struggle, but they're still kind of the same person they were to begin with. Just a more mature version of the same person. Like their career or their hobbies haven't really changed. Their outlook and things haven't really changed. They've just gotten older with the same group of friends. And I think when you see that, it really puts in perspective for you like, whoa, like which friend am I going to be when I get older? You know, my group of friends, like the reality is that every group of friends, not everyone's going to have the same success. Not everyone's going to have the same trajectory. Not everyone's going to have the same understanding, even if you do understand each other. But not everyone's going to have the same understanding of where we are in life because everyone goes at their own pace, in a sense. And watching and really that that show really now I think about the irony is I just talked about it's not really shows substance. But when you really think about it on this simplistic level, it it shows how substance can truly come out in different ways for different people. Some people get married and have kids to find more substance in their life because you have to simplify your life for a just for more stability and it makes your life easier. In a weird way. Typically having children is stressful. Getting married can be stressful. You think it's adding. But really, for the most part, you're simplifying your life and not worrying about things other than what you actually have to worry about. Which, when you're quote-unquote like single or you don't have real responsibilities outside of self-serving interests, you can fuck off all day. You can not worry about things because the only person that's affecting is you. But then your life changes. You get older. You know, part of the things from when you get younger to older, the biggest thing, I'll say at least for me personally, the thing that you, uh, thing that I have, my biggest adjustment is kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's kind of finding your own step of the beat, in a sense. I've always been someone that followed my own path in a sense. Like, I'm a believer in making shit happen yourself. But it's... What may come with that is... It may be a lot of alone time. It may be a lot of sacrifice, which I'm more than fine with. But, man, like, it's hard because sacrifice literally has the word sacrifice for a reason. Sacrifice is not easy. It's hard. And... I don't want to get off topic. Let me go back to the show. But like, you can see the growth and the decline of friends. And, you know, obviously in the most perfect friendship, you always have an understanding for each other. And maybe things change in terms of how often you interact. Maybe you move states away. But when you see each other, it feels, you still have that same butterfly feeling like the first time you got your dick touched, man. It's that same feeling. But with your friends, obviously. And I th- I just hope that anyone that's interested in that show, 
it's not for everyone, you know, like, it's very repetitive, every show, it's kind of, you know, you, it's made up shit, it's a lot of people creating problems for themselves, which is very relatable, we all create a lot of our own problems, a lot of problems we have in life are self-made, could have been prevented with better decisions, but sometimes shit in life happens, and I think you see the projection, you see the flaws, and you see the flaws in how they make people good, you know, I don't know, I'm kind of, I was on a good run there, I just kind of, kind of lost, uh, lost my footing there, but yeah, they don't really need to make a reshow, a remake of Friends, really not necessary, is it, I don't think it's going to tear the legacy, it's like Floyd Mayweather, no matter what happened in the fight, it's not going to tear his legacy, he didn't lose or win, which by the way, we need the, I want to talk about the Floyd and uh, Logan Paul fight. I was so fucking interested in that fight. I I was in. I wasn't gonna pay for it. I don't pay for nothing. Hopefully. Uh, but the interest, my intrigue level of that fight was crazy. I follow Logan Paul. You know, the, the weird part is I don't really watch his videos or his vlogs or nothing. I, I do listen and watch his podcasts. I. You know, man, I I think the one thing you see, he had the suicide forcing, which everyone knows about. I'm not going to sit here and re-bring up old shit, which I'm not going to say a lot of people overreacted. Obviously, it wasn't a smart thing of what he did, but, like, come on. Like, should he have put it out? No. But if you take how big of a name he is and someone else did that, no one would care as much. This video is all over online of... Things that we should never see, beheadings, kids getting killed, freaking child porn, all that shit, all on the internet. And you're mad because some dude showed a picture of a dead body in a suicide forest. And, yeah, he didn't re. You could tell they were all shocked. He probably tried to make light of it. It wasn't the right thing to do. But, I think one thing that we can all take from Logan Paul, whether you care for him, the fighting and all that shit, you think it's, the man has really dedicated the past two or three years to the box, and his body shows it, like, you see the transformation in his body, the growth, the dude's a fucking man, if you listen to his pocket, you can see the growth of, like, the first couple episodes, and where he is now, how he talks, his perspective, He's still young, he still talks like a 25, 26 year old, but the growth in him is really amazing. I mean, and the way he bounced back and didn't let something like that ruin his whole life. I can't say, you know, the ability to compartmentalize as a person, a man or woman, when you fuck up. And especially in his case, the whole world's shitting on him. You got celebrities, you got Aaron Paul, the guy Breaking Bad, like, making him feel bad. You got Chris D'Elia, who, you know, that kind of came back to bite him in the ass. But that's a good example, because when Chris D'Elia, when his shit came out about his predatorial text messages to young girls, like, underage girls, and all this weird shit. You know what Logan Paul didn't do? Even though Chris D'Elia shitting on him during that whole thing. He didn't come out and get even. You know, he talked about it. You go look it up, Logan Paul, Chris Lee, after all that shit. But, like, he didn't try to get even. He spoke about how he sees a wrong, and he did mention about karma and, you know, people that will always try to bring people down. The reason why they try to bring people down is because if they would ever have to be brought down for their actions, they would... Still want to feel above you. So they want to dig you so far fucking deep. But he didn't even try to get even. He spoke out how weird it was and all that shit. And he did mention the irony of how he's asking for forgiveness of all this shit. But then when he did it, when Logan Paul did his thing, he really, he, uh, he was just overdoing shitting on him, you know? But the maturity that shows, the maturity when the whole world was coming after him, and the maturity and the growth it shows to 
even though he may feel so something about it, to hold himself together and focus on what matters to him. Life's not all about getting even. It's about kind of showing indifference when karma comes back around. And I think he's his just growth as a person. The dude went in there and went against one of the greatest boxers of all time and held his own. Does he look like an amateur throwing punches? Yeah, I guess. But you definitely tell the dude's not a novice. Dude's been training like a motherfucker. The dude moved to Puerto Rico for months to train for the fight. The dude's been dedicated for two or three years. And you can see the sport maybe have humbled him even more than the situation did. Because boxing is obviously a very vulnerable sport. It's literally just you and the man across from you. There's no editing in videos he does. Like, There's no nothing. It's, are you going to beat me up better than I beat you up? You going to get knocked out? You going to hold your own? You going to get embarrassed? You're not going to embarrass? Like, there's no one saving you in there. Except maybe the ref, but props to him, man. You know, you can definitely tell, like, it's not even a, he's obviously not going to, I think he has a chance to be a good amateur fighter, to be honest. I, I think obviously with more training and shit, he looks like a natural. Dude's big, strong, he could take a hit. I'm not a boxing expert, so I'm not going to sit here and talk about the sweet science of boxing. There's a lot of people that always refer to that. Most people were saying Floyd Mayweather was going to knock him out and embarrass him. You could say technically he probably barely, he probably maybe fairly won the fight overall. Just in terms of only getting hit 14% of the time compared to he's hitting Logan 40 plus percent of the time. But he certainly wasn't dominating him. Put some respect on Logan's name, man. You know, he uh, it's well-deserved. You know, I think he's such a likable person. I, I've grown to like him. I'm going to be honest with you. I've grown to like him. I'm not afraid to admit that. All right. Let's move on to something else. <sighs> Can I just say that the Scooby-Doo movies... Um... I remember the first one. The first one was Skull Island, I believe, correct? Yeah, the first one was Skull Island. Where they all went to Skull Island. You got the Mr. Beans looking guy. Um, or not Mr. Beans. Yeah, Mr. fucking Beans. You got Mr. Beans running the Skull Island of ghosts in this perfume. Big old pot in the middle. And... Reggie? Oh, Fred... Oh, Velma. Oh. Can I just say one of the more underrated kids movies of the past 20 years, dare I say? Look, I, I understand like the live action. It seems a little childish. It's a fucking child's movie. As a grown person, I remember we said I used to rewatch. Those used to be one of my favorite movies to rewatch. I feel like that movie really um, set the, that movie really set the tone for a combination of live people and animation in one. It was like when CGI. Let's really when you think one of the first implementations of CGI was the fucking dog talking. And, by the way, did pretty fucking good. Just thought I'd say that about Scooby-Doo. Alright. <sighs> okay. Um, something I was actually talking with a friend about earlier. So, there's obviously podcasts, there's YouTube channels, the Manosphere. Let's just call it. Um... I'll just start, I'll name a couple. Um, Mediocre Tutorial Reviews, great channel. Um, Ava and Preach, to an extent, they don't always cover like man and woman stuff, but for the most part, you know, it's kind of a central theme, their videos. Um, The Fresh and Fit, Um, you got like Rich Cooper on YouTube, you know, look man, if you want to 
Kevin Samuels, obviously. I didn't even think that needed to be said. I thought that was just understood. But the reason why there's a manosphere is because really in today's world, <clears throat> and I really don't like the generalized specific topics or very specific connotations and issues and things like that. But you notice how there's a manosphere and there's not really like a woman sphere. I mean, there is, but it's because the accepted notion of reality in today's world is that men are more of the problem than women. And I'm going to be honest, like, I I watch this stuff in doses. Um, I have my opinions about a lot of stuff, and I probably side more on a lot of stuff in the manosphere because... I think an issue in today's world, really, it's not just a man and woman thing. I think it's generally an age thing for a lot of things. Typically, younger people, um, as of now, like 19 to 24, are so delusional on reality with a lot of things. And that kind of applies both man and woman, but the woman thing, it's apparent in different ways. But what I want to focus on is, if you were someone younger, and you haven't gone through enough experience or have been with enough girls or guys um you got to take these channels with a grain of salt because you don't want to fuck up your mindset before you even experience issues you kind of just have to go through it and experience the shit that truly understand it and develop the way you move accordingly because man even as someone that's you know, has dated, and been with girls and shit like that, like, it's, if I watch more than, like, 10-minute videos of that shit, man, it, look, man, if you don't have, that's why I always stress to think for yourself and truly develop an opinion, and honestly, those channels, they stress to not take their opinion as yours, they stress you to take your own opinion, but people will side and side, and we look for what we we look for more what we already think and someone to confirm it. Not breaking news here. Typically, the algorithm, you go YouTube algorithm, but we look, we naturally gravitate to things that we know are more aligned with our thinking. It's human nature. And it can be very, very stressful and discouraging to watch a lot of these videos of these off-the-wall crazy shit, these extreme shit that happens between guys and girls these days. If you were to watch these videos, you were to watch, listen to these full podcasts, man, you would lose faith in all women. You would lose faith in all men. And no one would ever mate again. People would still fucking shit, but man, like, there would be no st- stability in men and women anymore. There'd be no middle ground. There'd be no finding the reality and truth. Because it's, if you don't meet me where I'm at, if you don't see the way I see, then you're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. And the delusion of watching a lot of this shit, man, like if you watch like, for example, you watch the Fresh and Fit shit, I actually think it's a really good show. The thing that bothers me about the show is I just can't believe, like, generally, because it's typically a lot of women and a couple dudes, the delusion of a lot of the women on there. The irony is a lot of them want to talk about how different they are, but then they literally look like the same as the four other girls are sitting next to. They're showing the same amount of cleavage, wearing the same style of hair, Talking the same, same type of makeup. And you get in that group environment, I guess it's called groupthink, where if you're around certain people enough, you'll start developing the same opinions of that, because it's more about survival. You know, we typically adapt ideas for survival more than anything. It's about protecting ourselves. So we feel like if we're shittier towards people, They can't be shitty to me first, and I'm protected. I would rather hurt someone than be hurt. 
hurting someone, you can forgive yourself and convince yourself that there's reasons why I did it. When you get hurt, it's really hard to always come to reason. You know, why? Why would this person hurt me and all this shit? It's, it can be really hard depending on the situation. It can be really hard to truly understand that. And you may never understand. But when you hurt someone, you understand why you did it. We all know what we're doing most of the time. Obviously, there's things you you make lack of, you make emotional decisions, instinctual, but you know what you're doing. You know your emotional stability or lack thereof. So if you are emotionally unstable and you constantly put yourself in unstable situations, you are still accountable. Your, your issues, your emotional, your anger issues is no excuse for constantly repeating them. It's your job to know yourself more than anyone else. I know that's not easy. I know it's hard. Trust me, I get it. But when you think you are too good to understand, if you like, it's kind of a weird thing that it's actually... We think it's more attractive. We think it's cooler to be so misunderstood. It's a weird world we live in. Like we, like we feel that being so confusing and so all over the place and the spontaneity to an extent applies. But when you're just all over the place just to be all over the place and it's not even genuine. Like come on like little stability is kind of fucking cool. I really just, uh, the main thing I worry about with a lot of this divide between men and women is that at the end of the day, we could just do better. A lot of these bullshit shit that we create, we create problems. We, we always think we try to get ahead of what someone else is going to do to us. So we do it first we project and then we project and we just think that it's just human behavior you know it it just sucks to look out here and people are hurting people for no good reason it really is sad to see um and when this shit has gone so extreme, you got people out here cheating on their wife, having kids with four other, like, God, man, this shit, it makes you really, it, it's made me so careful, like, so goddamn careful. It's almost like removing myself from any situation of even possibly getting in a relationship with someone or even going that road with someone because well it seems like most situations end up in two people leaving the situation disliking the person more than them when they met them really think about love is just a constant fear it's just a constant steady fell failureness that doesn't even make any fucking it's just but like it's a constant feeling of failure that sounds more professional that sounds like I know what I'm talking about even though I don't you know I, I'll just end this topic with this um everyone stop fucking being bitches and dicks to each other for no fucking reason It's not someone else's responsibility to accept your baggage. It's crazy to me. It's I was talking with this too with my boy Jeffrey yesterday, and it's some man like felt like we had a coming of coming to Jesus moment together. One thing that we've noticed with a lot of people. A lot of people, and I'll focus on people in my age range, a lot of people have this weird entitlement that 
people just because they like you or love you should accept all your baggage that comes with you. And if you don't accept my baggage, then you're the bad person. You're the person that doesn't truly love someone. Um, well, for example, <clears throat> if a woman, if you go on a date with a woman, right? Let's say things are going fine. You start to like them. You guys kiss. You guys are really starting to get into each other. On the fourth date, she reveals to you, all right, I feel like you should know. I really like you and all. I do have two kids um, from someone else previously. We aren't together. You know, we co-parent, blah, blah, blah. That dude has every right to be like, I just don't think that's something I want. Without feeling demonized, like, oh, see, this is why it's hard for a woman to find a real man. It's not that dude's responsibility to bring that to his life when it's not his reasoning for why those kids are alive. It's not his responsibility to take care of kids just because he likes or loves a girl. If he decides to, hey, man, that's great. But that man should not be demonized for not continuing with that woman. He shouldn't. And vice versa. You can reverse the rules. Same rules apply. Woman has every right to say she doesn't want to be with someone if they have kids. From previously. They have every right to. That's a choice. And if you are bringing kids from a previous from someone else, previous marriage, whatever. Like, you also got to understand that, that not everyone has to accept that. Now, you may be like, if they don't accept them, then, you know, we can't be together. And that is fine. But you have no right to come out here shitting on people. Just start labeling them. No, only a real man could take it. No, nah, nah. He doesn't. And she doesn't. Whoever wants to apply that rule. Stop thinking that everyone has to accustom to your life to make you feel better. To make your life easier. It's not about you. Everything's about a bigger picture, blah, 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 whatever. But the audacity. People feel like they deserve something from someone that that has no responsibility to do what they're asking for. If he does anything, that's a bonus. If he decides to come in your life and be a and be a parent, hey, all the power, and he should be praised for that. But he shouldn't be looked down on if he doesn't. He just shouldn't. That's just some feel like that's a pretty Clear message needs to be brought. Oh man, where are we at? 40, 46 ish minutes. Wow. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I feel like this podcast is going a lot more smoother. Um, I'm actually talking about shit. I feel good about myself. Give me an applause. It is uh, 7 45 Eastern. Um, I believe the Hawks game is about to be on. Probably gonna watch that. I'm interested in see um what uh, I'm not gonna lie I'm very su- obviously the the Hawks changed coaches from Lloyd Pierce to Nate McMillan and it makes a whole lot of I mean they've been I think they were 30, 30 and eleven with Nate McMillan as a head coach so something changed I I'm not gonna sit here and give you a breakdown says I've watched the games but you could kind of get a sense from the few games I have watched in the playoffs um. Trey Young is really not that much of a different player. He really is the same player. But since they're winning, people want to say it's kind of different. And it is kind of different. He's not taking 30 shots a game. But 
you know, he's still the he's still the dude. There's no questions of who the fucking guy is on the team. They have a lot of really good players on the team. Man, I don't think the Hawks have been really, you know, the Hawks had the Hawks have kind of gone through phase. If you live in Atlanta, grew up here, you've gone when I first started watching NBA and stuff, really keep track of it. It was when they were in the red and white or the red, white and yellow kind of retro things. Um it was when they had Josh Childress. <laughs> Man, those whew, we're going we're going back. We had the Josh Childress, the Josh Smiths. Um before he he never could really shoot, but at least then he wasn't as ignorant that he couldn't shoot. Um who else was on that fucking team? God damn. Um Man, for some reason I'm drawing a blank. But then we had like the next era when Joe Johnson came over. He made the team more credible. We made it to the playoffs. You could say he was overpaid, but he made the Hawks at least not a complete shit show. Say what you want. He's kind of like, when you really think about it, he's really like the Alex Smith was for Chiefs. Before Alex Smith got there, they were kind of up. Mostly down for a lot of years. They had like a fluke year with Matt Castle, but they weren't really relevant for a long time. They just weren't that good. Alex Smith came in, didn't light the world on fire. You could say, man, he's he's good, but he's not great. But you know what he did? He always won 10, 11 games, played efficient. Maybe he didn't get past a certain level, but he made them relevant. He made the Chiefs respectable. And then, of course, Mahomes come in and, hey, man, nothing to be, nothing to be ashamed of. Um, and obviously, they become the fucking Chiefs that we know now. And the Hawks are kind of going through that similar phase when you think about it. Like, Joe Johnson was Alex Smith. And... Then we kind of had that next phase where Joe Johnson was, okay, he went to Brooklyn. Then we had the Budenholzer teams were amazing regular season. It was a couple years, man, but we just couldn't. We had the Millsaps, the Horfords, um, Jeff Teague, um, Kyle Korver, and I'm forgetting one off the top of my head. But we just had an all-around. We even had the one year where like four dudes were on the all-star team because we had the best regular season team in the East. And we were good. We were deep. We were good. We couldn't beat the better teams. You know, we couldn't beat the Heat because the Heat were rolling with LeBron and shit. Like, hey. But we had a couple good teams. And Boonholzer, um, Boonholzer left. And then we got Lloyd Pierce. And it was a tank job, you know, the first year. Like, it just weren't good. You know, we, that, we had Trey. Once they got rid of that team in transition. Drafted Trey. Rookie year, chucking up a lot of shots. Had a couple really good games, but also a couple, whoo, inefficient. He started off really rough, but then he, he had a couple good months. He was off and on rookie year. Second year, he became a little bit more stable. And this year, he's really becoming a more all-around player. Now, he's still a liability on defense. But the team hasn't, this is as good as the team's been. I mean, they added Bogdanovich. Even though Gallinari's kind of iffy, but you know, he has he brings some professionalism out there, for lack of a better word. Um, John Collins has really progressed to be one of the more underrated players in the league. Um, hopefully, him and Trey can work that shit out because obviously they don't like playing with each other. They've kind of been open about that, but I think they're working through that. John Collins wants to get paid, so we'll see what happens there. And. DeAndre Hunter's really fucking good. <laughs> I mean, they have a pretty good fucking team. Do I think they're going to beat the Nets? Fuck no. Not, not in the slightest. I'm going to be honest. I didn't think they could beat the Sixers. But, I mean, they were up 1-0 and they beat them pretty fucking handily. I didn't watch the game, but I felt like Ben Simmons would like shut his ass down. And he may still, Ben Simmons, I know he can't. I know he doesn't shoot, but man, the dude's fucking amazing. Kind of like I was talking about Chris Paul. The dude can't be, he really can't be um, 
explained by numbers, even though the numbers can be impressive. He's on the floor, and you are just better. It don't matter who's out there. You're just better, even when he can't or doesn't shoot. But yeah, the Hawks now, they're, they're starting to be, maybe not like Patrick Mahomes chief, but They've gone from they've gone from the transition from Alex Smith to mini Pat Mahomes. Like they're not there yet. I'm not gonna call Trey Young that. But his flair to the game, his com his apparent confidence comes off a little cocky. I mean, he's willing to be the show. And in college, like, I don't know if this can work. Him and Trey Young, like, I don't know if this can work. I don't know if it's gonna translate shooting 30 shot 30 shots a game and like trying to averaging 30 and 10 in college, which is insane, taking all the shots, a lot of deep, bad shots, quote unquote. You know what they said about Patty Mahomes? Um, yeah, he plays an offense where no quarterback system doesn't translate, no quarterback has ever succeeded coming out of there. It's another Texas Tech quarterback. Yeah, he just throws the ball 80 times. Throws, he threw a lot of picks some years. But, man, he can make wild throws. But his mechanics are this and that. Well, um, I, I think his mechanics are fine. I think he throws the ball pretty well. I think his stats show on and off the court. Show that uh, the numbers are looking good for Mr. Pat. For the boy. So I don't think it's crazy for him and Trey Young to have some comparisons. I don't think it's crazy. I don't think Trey Young's gonna be the face of the league. Like Patty Mahomes, he's the face of the fucking league. Like he's transcendent. He can do things at the position. No, not many have ever done, and this combination of improv is just amazing. So I think, yeah, him and Trey. Think I want you guys to think about that. All right, all right. Let's wrap this up. Okay. Um. Final thought. I think it's very, very imperative out there. This is uh, my wisdom of the day. I don't know if I'm gonna make this a regular thing, but may end with some wisdom. Uh, at the end of every show. I want you to think about this. Would you want something done to you. That you have already done this someone else. And you have seen. What that can do. I'm going to leave you all with that. And. Uh, go. Uh, I appreciate you guys. This is a new channel. This is a new podcast. And you gal that this is a fucking podcast. Clint, Clint's got a fucking podcast. For real. Um, but yeah. Um, follow on Spotify. Um, I'm probably going to start posting on YouTube audio. Soon. Once I get everything settled in my memory and shit. But um, yeah. Go on YouTube. Subscribe to the Off and Beat channel. You can see daily jokes. Daily poems. Um. I may get back to the off and beat show. Um, the quality wasn't great, but now I've got so much better equipment, learned more things. So videos in the future should be better. So take those old videos in consideration. Things are getting better, moving the channel in the right direction. Go follow me off and beat on Instagram. And yeah, go show love. Um, I appreciate y'all. I appreciate y'all. And uh, have a great day. Have a money, money, money. Go make your bread so you don't wonder if you're full of bread. Ow. 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 I remember taking out the garbage with the lights going down, down, down. Oh, by the way, um, go listen to When Was It Over by Sam Hunt. Sam Hunt is literally, I, I'm, I'll just say he's my favorite artist. It used to be Drake. Sam Hunt's kind of taken over. But, yeah, 
Go listen to When Was It Over, Sam Hub Features, and Sasha Slim. Personal shout out, not that he needs promo from me, but hey, go check it out. Um, thank y'all, and have a great day. Episode 2 of Off and Beats, Clint is out. Out. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. You big.